Hello, and welcome to Married Married Muggles, Muggles. the podcast where we, as a married couple, read the Harry Potter books together. My name's Aaron, and I've never read the books before. And my name is Elise, and I have read them multiple times. Join us on our reading journey by listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you like to listen to podcasts. Please do us a huge favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Married Muggles, or send us an email at marriedmuggledspodcast at gmail.com. If you send us a question, comment, or unknown spell via email or social media, use the owl emoji at the beginning to let us know you're sending an owl. Thanks so much for listening. And enjoy this episode of Married Muggles. Hello? Is anyone there? It's a late night, again, with Married (laughs) Muggles. It's 11 o'clock here on September 25th, Mm -hmm. I believe. We will try and hold back on the yawns. Um, I didn't fall asleep while reading tonight. Mm, Came close, had a few eye flutters. I just screamed every 10 minutes to see if he would stay awake. (laughs) And that's normal for her, so... (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Did not just scream. But welcome back to Married Muggles. Thanks for popping on. Mm-hmm. The, uh, we decided to be a little more relaxed about the scheduled reading. It was starting to feel too much like homework. And we just figured, you know what? You can just look at the title of the episode, and if you want to do the reading for it... Do that. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you can't read the title of the episode, then you probably can't read the books. Right. <laughs> so... What we've and done... What's a chapter? What's a chapter missing? A chapter added. <laughs> We're just going to make the rules up as we go along. It's, it's going to be magic. fine. It's, it's magic. just magic. It's all magic. So what we have done, though, is we've read chapters 10 and 11, which may or may not be split into two episodes, like the last two episodes. We're going to figure that out as we go along. So you will know what's happening because you're in the future. Indeed. I believe that uh, we are expecting a few owls this week. <gasps> Is that right? Oh, here it comes. Oh, yeah. All right, what do we have here? Let's unroll these. Ah, ink's still wet. Ooh. Okay, what have we got there? We've I, got... I left my spectacles in the other room. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. They're on your face. Ah. <laughs> We've got That's a, where they went. We've got a few owls this week. Also, sorry if we have an open window and sorry if you can hear the cars in the background, but we're going to move forward. We've got a few owls this week. So our first one being from uh, my dear friend Megan, who's the one that got me into Harry Potter. Uh, and she did some research on the kind of magical genes and everything. So had a really good explanation that she sent to me genes on Instagram. Genes with a G. No, not, no. Not with a J. Like Calvin Klein genes. Levi jeans. No, I'm just kidding. It is G E N E's. E's. What? G E N E Z. Yep. I got it right the first time. <laughs> Magical genes. Pumpkin juice. Yeah. <laughs> Deep in the pumpkin juice. No, I'm kidding. Magical genes are dominant, which is why being a squib is rare. And muggleborns are due to a recessive gene or just randomly popping up in the gene pool. Um, squib genes function the same way as a muggle, but might have magical descendants down the line. So that means squibs are non-magical then. Sort of. So, which is funny. So Matt sent a kind of contradictory owl. So you guys can, can duke it out. Matt said that squibs are different than muggles. It just doesn't show in their magical abilities. Whereas muggles have no magical blood at all. No, that doesn't conflict. That meshes perfectly. Okay. So, yes. So, squib genes, yeah, they, they just function the same way as a muggle. But they're not the same. Neither muggles nor squibs have magical abilities. Correct. But squibs have the recessive genes that are lying dormant, which can show up in future generations. That is correct. Yeah. Then they mesh. They mesh. But muggles have... No, it's like, for example, a couple, neither of them could have blue eyes, but they could have a baby with blue eyes because they have the traits. Right. Because like my parents, neither of them have blue eyes, but both my brother and I have blue eyes. Exactly. But there are certain traits, I believe, like if neither parents have the gene for having red hair, it's impossible to have a child with red hair. Right. Unless they have a 
individual mutation, but right. uh, that's a different story. Well, thank you for sharing. I yeah. have no idea where you got that information, but... Magic. No. So. <laughs> Next owl, please. Her, her, her other owl is that there is no evidence in canon that there are any muggle-born Slytherins. Um, canon? Canon. So, like, the, like, like what, JK, what comes from J.K. Rowling. Like, what is, quote-unquote, oh, fact. Gotcha, gotcha. But there are half-bloods allowed in Slytherin. Okay. Because we meet a couple, some half-bloods along the way in our our Harry Potter journey. Wait. said no muggles, right? Right. I thought there were no muggles at Hogwarts. No muggle-born. Oh, muggle-born. Sorry. Just to jump over to Matt's second owl that he gave us, just because he we kind of backed and forth there. Um, he wanted to let us know that last week his birdie bot was a ratatouille. Or, actually, it was on Tuesday, this past Tuesday. He wanted to let us know that his birdie bot was a was ratatouille. Hmm. I, I think, no, I think my mom has made ratatouille once or twice. Yeah, I think so. I think I've had it. Our, do you want to read our next owl? Uh, the one from Karen? From Tracy. Tracy? Yep. <laughs> owl from Tracy. The one from Tracy? Yep. Because it was an, in- <laughs> an answer to your question. Yes. This was, uh, Tracy was saying that, at a conference that she goes to and they open or, I don't know if it's a conference that she goes to, but just like a woman for women's conferences. Oh, for women's conferences. No, that they open up the men's room for women to use. And I've, de- and, and it's funny she said that because I've definitely been to like sporting events or something, uh, or maybe it's like concert, rodeo, whatever, but where women just hop in the men's line and they just say, I can't hold it. I don't care. Yeah. Because the problem is... Usually there is no line for the men's room. <laughs> well, that's right. That's correct. Because women all have to use toilets and men have the uh, luxury of urinals. It's just a little quicker, a little more efficient. Right. We, won't, we don't have to get into the uh, excretion Specifics. process of human beings Ew. here. <laughs> but um, Specifics would have been fine. Sure, sure. But yeah, so that maybe things like that make it a little bit easier for uh, uh, women to approach men's restrooms but yeah and our last but not not least owl is from um our dear friends andrew and nora and they had a couple different questions and points so the first being how are children from magical families educated is there kind of like a magical sort of preschool are they homeschooled from what i've learned i'm pretty sure it's the kids are kind of homeschooled or um as i've recently learned people do as pods because of covid a lot of people are doing homeschool pods. Um, so like multiple families will kind of come together and do homeschooling. So I don't know if there's something like that in the magical world to kind of teach kids about um, like maybe basic magic or reading or math, you know, the other kind of basic skills that we learn in muggle school. And they also wanted to know when do magical parents tell their kids about like magical people versus, or not versus, but and the differences between them and muggles. And I don't know that. Well, answer. I would imagine it would have to be pretty early because yeah. we learned last time that muggle homes and magic homes are in the same world, same communities and stuff. Just right. magic homes have to keep things hidden. So, you know, you don't want your three-year-old doing magical things. You have to explain how we only do that at home or... Right. Yeah, it would be a very interesting conversation to be like a fly on the wall as in. in. Yeah, I would... Boy, I feel like you'd almost have to do it around the same stage. You say things like, you know, no hitting, no yelling. So actually probably around... Like two. Yeah, (laughs) as soon as they can start talking. Yeah. Their other owl was about the poltergeist kind of definitions and everything. So in German, the translation would be like rattle spirit. Which is pretty close to what Matt said. Right. Rumble, rattle. Right. Uh, and then last but not oh, least... Actually, wait. real quick on that, because Adam and I were talking about this, because uh, he's seen a lot of horror movies, so mm-hmm. he knows there's between Poltergeist. But they have an ability to act on the physical world in some way. And I think in this chapter, or one of the others, I think uh, it said Peeves like, knocks Harry's glasses off his face, or something like that. Right. Which I don't think the other ghosts can do. Gotcha. Although, how would Professor Binns write in the chalkboard? <gasps> I guess he, they never say he does. Either yeah. way. Maybe he's a poltergeist, but he's like a very boring one. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and then their last uh, owl was <laughs> basically in 
answering my question of why is Draco a jerk face? And Nora, who I, I'm so sorry, Nora, I don't know the exact degree that you have, but I know she does like music therapy. Music, okay, music therapy. So she's a very intelligent woman. And congratulations and knows, on your master's. Yes, she knows all about this stuff. So it's very exciting that she answered this. Um, so why is Draco a jerk face is because of trauma and lack of appropriate role models, which, yes, we're seeing this in this book. We've seen his dad value power and control over kindness or even decency, and so it's not surprising that Draco has a serious lack of empathy. If I had to give him a diagnosis, this again, Nora speaking, I'd give him oppositional defiant disorder, which is marked by a pattern of angry, irritable mood, argumentative, defiant behavior, or vindictiveness. Um, the vindictiveness is particularly strong indicator with Malfoy. It's possible that he'd qualify for conduct disorder, which involves more destructive and violent behavior. But unless he's torturing animals off screen, I'm inclined to think his behavior behavior is much more motivated by a wish for power and control than a wish to inflict pain. So it is a much better <laughs> explanation than me saying that he's a jerk face. <laughs> so, <laughs> I loved that. Thank you so much, Nora. Yeah, but for the record, Nora is not liable or certified right. as a professional wizarding psychologist. This is very true. Um, so she this cannot is, be held accountable. This is Nora's opinion only. Right, pro- right. Uh, non-professional opinion. Right. <laughs> and wizarding cards. Right. So thank you everyone who sent us owls. We love it. Um, we got lots of good owls this week. So keep them coming. All right. Peace out, owl. Bye, owl. Here's a seed. <laughs> they eat mice. Oh, right. (laughs) Oops. All right. Okay. So I gotta flip back a few pages. I took four pages worth of notes for this. Looks like this is gonna be another split chapter series. Potentially. All right. I believe it's time for the. Dad synopsis. So maybe, do you want to do chapter 10 first? You know, it's probably a good idea. Probably a good idea. All right, so chapter 10 was titled The Rogue Bludger. And for all of you who don't remember, the bludger is the flying ball and Quidditch that is there to... There's two of them that are trying to knock Quidditch players off their brooms. So we kind of start the chapter, you know, leaving off on... Harry, Ron, and Hermione, they, they know they've got to kind of um, somehow figure out how to get Gildra Lockhart to give permission to sign off on taking out... I don't remember the, the book name. It's... So, Matt also answered that. Cause I was like, most potente oh, potions. Yeah. And he's like, it's just most potent potions. <laughs> I like most potente. <laughs> most potente. It sounds like the mm, potatoes. Most. <laughs> These are pastas are most potente. <laughs> Mm. Ah, molto bella. Grazie, molto. So, <laughs> so since then, Harry's totally been brown nosing and sucking up to Gildroy, who's been using him as essentially a, a, a stage prop, <laughs> which is pretty entertaining. They do get permission from Gildroy to take out the book. Who doesn't even look at the title of Mm-mm. the book they're trying to take out, which is for some serious level potions. And what the the folks do here is they, they figured out that the girls' bathroom where uh, Elizabeth Warren resides <laughs> is a great place to do things in secret just because nobody's going to go in there. But I was wondering, like, you know, like, how Peeves is kind of a snitch? Like, yeah. can't Moaning Myrtle see what's going on? Or she's just I think she's so just... miserable <laughs> that nobody's just... worried about any. She's so uh, underestimated. Well, I think that she underestimates herself, like, because she's just always crying. Yeah. So they're working on this potion now, the Polyjuice Potion, to try and get some more information out of Malfoy. This is also the chapter where we see the season's first Quidditch match between Gryffindor and Slytherin. Everything's kind of all sorts of crazy stuff. The, The Bludger's chasing Harry, and it won't go to anybody else, so clearly the Bludger's cursed. They do end up winning the match, but in the end, Harry ends up getting his arm broken by the bludger, and Gildred tries to mend it. Um, Instead of healing the bones, he removes the bones. I do remember this being disturbing from the movie. It's really gross. It's really yucky. (laughs) Um, So he has to go to the infirmary to get it bones grown with with Skelligro, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I actually, like, whenever this this part plays in the movie, I, like, I don't watch watch it anymore. 
I used to because it was just like, uh, um, it's not that bad. But like now I'm like, it's gross. I don't want to watch it. I think what it is is the CGI makes the arm not look like flat. Like they did yeah. a good job making it look like rubber because they describe in the chapter it looks like a rubber glove. Yeah, the the description in the book is much grosser. It's pretty odd. Yeah, but the visuals also disturbing. Yeah. Either way. Anyway. So in the infirmary though, Dobby finally, thank goodness, makes another appearance. Golly gosh darn Dobby. And we find out he was the one who was responsible for platform nine and three quarters not opening, even yep. though uh, it should have been open according to the time, which also. You know, therefore means that it's his fault that they almost got expelled. They ran into the Whomping Willow. They got his dad in trouble. All those things. Uh, and he was also responsible for Harry's jello arm um, because he put the curse in the bludger. <laughs> and at this point, also, Dumbledore and McGonagall carry in Colin. Um, what's... Creevy. Creevy? Colin Creevy, who was frozen solid in the middle of taking a picture, but unfortunately the film was all melted. <laughs> So, if I'm correct, that's pretty much the end of chapter 10? Yeah. yeah. So maybe we'll hold off there and then see where we get sure. to for the rest of the episode. Sure. Word. At the beginning of chapter 10, we do learn that Professor Lockhart is no longer bringing in critters after the whole pixie fiasco. <laughs> yeah, which is a shame. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, now he's just literally reading sections of his book. It's, it's essentially yeah. a Hogwarts version of Death by PowerPoint. Well, <laughs> did I mention last week? Yeah. I don't know because it would be pretty funny if my teacher started using the same person as a prop every yeah. single class, right? But um, just... and how Harry has to like pretend he's like a maimed werewolf or whatever. It's great. He's like, Aah! it's great. <laughs> just... I, which I don't, I don't remember this from the movie either. I, I'm looking. F- the more you read the book, the further you get into the book, the more excited you get to watch the movie for sure. Yeah, because it is fun to see, like, what they do put in and everything and see kind of how they do it. It is a bummer that there's a lot that's not in there that you're like, this would have been awesome. But Yeah, what are you going to do? Sad day. I know it's too bad that they didn't have, like, uh, the Lord of the Rings has the theatrical edition and then it's got the extended edition. Yeah. Whatever. Such is life. Right. I like how he's, so he's handing out signed copies of a book they already have as a reward for completing their homework. When they when he asks them to like make a poem about him. Oh right, the, the best <laughs> poem will get copies, multiple copies, right. signed, signed copies, copies of was it Magical Me? Yeah, Magical Me. That's, Which that's like they cool. already had. I'm pretty sure they already had to buy that for school. Yeah, but I don't think they were signed. That's the only thing, unless they got a <laughs> sign in the bookshop. Still, it's like okay. <laughs> it is funny. I don't know. He's such a yeah, he's entertaining. I think he's entertaining. He doesn't seem like a bad guy. Sure, he's a fraud. He's not like a bad guy. He might, we don't know. He, he don't might, know. And, and he is famous. So again, he's. I think we talked about this. He's got to be charismatic to a degree, just not necessarily for a twelve-year-old or a thirteen-year-old. How old's Harry? Twelve. Twelve. <laughs> I like how Lockhart is also saying how, like, referring to Harry being on the Quidditch team. He's like, oh, I was almost picked for the national whatever league blah 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 blah. and he says that he heard that harry is a useful player it's like he's the youngest seeker in a century i think he's a little more than useful well it's Uh, it's interesting you laugh that because when i was reading it i was like is that i didn't even think of it as being kind of like a dig at Harry. I didn't know if, like, maybe that's a, a term that they use. Well, but then, no, because then he offers him private training, and he is, like, because he kind of assumes that Harry is a less able player, because he basically just says, like, oh, I like to offer my expertise for less able players. I thought he just meant less able than himself, because everybody's less able. So I'm just curious right, so if yeah, that's, like, a British thing, like, Saying somebody's a useful player. I don't know. No, I think he was like... That was a dig at Harry. A dig at Harry, yeah. Which is just kind of one of those things where it's like he's clearly threatened by Harry's fame and talent. Because, I mean, Harry wouldn't have gotten on the Quidditch team at such a young age if he wasn't talented. Despite the fact that he is a grown man. With, like, these multiple best-selling books or what, like, the the best smile in which, which weekly. It's like, dude, <laughs> just... He's a 12-year-old boy. Like, yeah, get it together. There must have been no applicants for the position. Oh, my gosh. Slim pickings. 
And Ron calls Professor Lockhart a brainless git, so that feels That's pretty good. Very yeah. correct. Ron's got some good ones. Ron does have some good ones. I also, it was funny to hear the librarian, Madame Pince, she was described as an underfed vulture. I thought that was a pretty good description, I loved too. that. It was so funny. JK definitely likes to make unpleasant people as ugly and unappealing as possible. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you can just imagine, like, in a cartoon, like, this old craggly wrinkly woman as a librarian who looks like has that kind of like hunchbacked like long necked and then glaring eyes with like a beak nose just like hovering over the books like <sighs> it's a good one it's a good one it's very good what was it shriveled walnut is that the uh, barkeep? So. Yeah, the barkeep at the what was it called the not the rusty cauldron the the leaky co- cauldron leaky cauldron yeah that's pretty funny so okay they. Right, they get out of the class, they get permission to get the book, and yeah. they essentially run into the library because they're so excited. Right. Um, <laughs> Hermione wants to keep the book slip from Professor Lockhart because it's got his autograph on it, and Ron gives us the quote of, he'll sign anything if it stands still long enough, and I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> that was pretty good. See, I, I kind of, again, I kind of like Gildray Lockhart. I don't know why. I just like him for the comedic value. And I, I like him because of the things Ron says about him. Because <laughs> Ron's just... It's pretty good. Coming in hot. It's pretty sharp. So good. Okay, the big plan here, though, is to get the book, mm-hmm. make the potion, mm-hmm. and Hermione's looking at it, and it's a super difficult potion. Not only is right. it super difficult, it's time-consuming. And, and they have to steal from Snape. Yes. Well, I was going to say, too, it's not only time-consuming in that it takes a long time to make, but you literally just have to wait for yeah. it to do its thing. It's got to, like, simmer. Right. But, right, all, all the ingredients except for, I think, two of them mm-hmm. are pretty available. Right. Was It's kind of cool. They said there's just, like, a student cupboard filled with all of these potion supplies that they can just go to anytime they want. Right. That doesn't sound safe. No. Uh, and Well, I wonder, too, if, like... First years have different access to materials than seventh years. It would make sense. That would make right? sense to me. I mean, but I don't know. How do you divvy that up? Do you just make like the stuff for the seventh years on taller shelves? Well, <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about the dorm rooms, they all have their secret passwords to get in. Right. I assume you could do that with a a cupboard too. Maybe. Probably. Yeah, makes sense. Just a thunk. Yeah. Oh, and they decide to do the potion in Moaning Myrtle's bathroom because right. it's the most private place to go. Right. I can't. Remember. I think it was later in the story. Yeah, it was when Harry comes back in, but mm-hmm. literally she has a fire cooking in the right. pot right. for the pot. <laughs> <laughs> so they're working on the polyjuice, but right, they figure out that it's going to take like a month, a month to make this because you have to put the ingredients in and let them sit for like. 21 days or something like that. I can't right. remember what it was. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was 21 days. Crazy. And then, what is it? Ron was... He's just impatient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's kind of saying how, like, half the muggle population... Oh, I remember. Or muggle-born, I should say. Will yeah. Be, will be affected by this monster. The cool thing at this part, though, is, like... And I'm still... Because we talked about this earlier as well, that, you know, her Hermione trying to figure out what some of her motivations are here but she was like all about breaking the rules and stealing the stuff from snape's mm-hmm. office and i still think that it's because she was the one who was called out you know what i mean which was called yeah. the mudblood yeah sure i i do agree with that yeah because i mean like i think obviously her safety's on the line but i do think that for her it's it is also like a motivation of just she is a very justice driven person and having knowing that she can do something to help other people in her situation stay safe, I think is another a big motivation for her. Yeah, because I wonder. We did the math, right? It's twenty. Is it twenty students per year per house? There are ten students per year per house because there are five usually five boys, five girls. Per year per house, so that's... 40 students 40 each students year. for each year, so 4 times 7 is 280. So out of 280 students, I wonder how many come from mixed blood families. Right. Yeah, because I mean, we know about, like, Hermione is. Oh, and then we Dean also Thomas know... Dean Thomas is. Dean Thomas. He's one of the other Gryffindor boys. Don't we also find out that Justin Flynn... Finn, Flinch Fletchley. Finn Fletch... 
Finch. Flinch? Fletchley. Oh, well, we'll get to there. The Eaton yeah. thing. Yeah. That's the next chapter. I was trying to make... Oh, phooey. I was trying to make sense of that. But we do learn later on this chapter that Colin Creevy is... Well, I don't, I don't know if we necessarily learn it, but he is a muggle-born. How do we... How do you know that his dad's a milkman. He said, like, my dad's a milkman, so he was pretty surprised when I was a magical child. Because he never mentions his mom. Oh. So. When was that? A few chapters ago. Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, you're just trying to, like, tally up in your head how many. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious how many. Hermione's brave. She's Mm -hmm. totally willing to break the rules, and she says, I'll be the one to get blamed since I've got a clean slate. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of cool to see her get fired up and actually push Ron and Harry to break some rules. It's like, do you want right. to do this, guys? Or not? <laughs> Tell me a better plan, and we'll consider it. But right now, this is the best thing we've got. Right. So yeah. does nobody clean that girl's bathroom? Maybe moaning Myrtle's tears that she doesn't have because she's a ghost. I don't know. I don't know if, like, like in the magic world, they have, like, Roombas <laughs> or something like that. Like, <laughs> like a magical Roomba that just cleans everything for you. Because Filch clearly does not do a very well, good job you know, of anything. Well, but... that would have been a great place for Filch to read his quick spell Squibs. books. Yeah, squib stuff. You know, but I bet you there's all sorts of stuff hidden in that bathroom for anybody and who knows. the tiles, yeah, and the ceiling. Tiles and the sinks. Mm-hmm. And the top of the toilets. Ew. Okay. What? No. <laughs> I like know. Thing. I... Jeez. I know. <laughs> now we get to the Quidditch game. And Harry is under a lot of pressure to catch the snitch before Malfoy because they want to win that game. Yeah. Time out. Real quick. This was a... So much of a better description of a Quidditch match. This was actually enjoyable to read. Well thought out. Yeah. What? I wasn't sure if you were if you wanted me to like keep this in or not. So yeah. I yeah. No. I, I, was, I was just trying to catch it. I just poked Elise with my pen and she thought that I meant stop recording. Or like, or like, and like, hey, edit this out later. No, no, uh, I just no, yeah, it was, it was so much better. better, so much better. Probably because there was a bludger trying to not carry off his broom or something. <laughs> I think it was just a little more well thought out. Yeah, a little more fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was actually kind of fun to read. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I think Harry feels pressure for the Quidditch game, obviously because they want to beat Slytherin, and Slytherin has these really good brooms and everything, so they want to show them that. It takes more, it takes talent to play Quidditch and not just money to buy nice brooms. And I think he also feels pressure because he thinks that Malfoy is the heir of Slytherin. So maybe if he knocks Malfoy off his broom or beats Malfoy, then maybe something good will happen with that. I don't know if he wants to knock Malfoy off his broom. I think that was what Ron said. I think it's like an said. added bonus. <laughs> I think that's what Ron wanted to see yeah, happen. Yeah, good Much Ron. simpler way. And instead of trying to get information from him, just... Right. But uh, then we get the rogue bludger that keeps going after Harry, despite Fred and George hitting it away from him. Usually bludgers don't do that. They usually just kind of try to hit anybody, everyone and every anyone. So it just keeps going after him and he's not really quite sure why. <laughs> he describes Fred and George next to him as just like flailing limbs. <laughs> Which is Yeah, trying awesome. to protect him. They're right. doing what they can. So the bludger finally does hit Harry because they do the timeout and Harry's like, please stop it. I can't catch the snitch if you're flailing and around. Which I did not know you could do a timeout in Quidditch. Anything's possible in the second book. I guess <laughs> After so. you flush some stuff out. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. But yeah, so the bludger hits Harry as Malfoy's antagonizing him. And Harry sees the snitch behind Malfoy's ear. Which is- Oh, the bludger hits Harry and shatters his arm. Right. Shatters. Bones cracked very much. <laughs> Harry passes out from the pain in his arm and then he falls. But he's caught the snitch. So that's pretty cool. Of course. of course he does. Only to wake up to our good friend Goldie, Gilderoy Lockhart, mm. beaming down at him <laughs> with his many teeth. The thing, too, that I was thinking about was like, what would it be like being in a school where you know if you get hurt? You could just go to the infirmary and pretty much have anything healed. Like That would be pretty sick. I, like, I would have done really well at Hogwarts as a kid. Because <laughs> I was constantly at the nurse's office. Like, she, I would go in because I was always, like, scraping myself up. And she would just point into the medicine cabinet and be like, just go. Just do, you handle you. I know you can do it. 
I'll take care of this other sick child. But this is even better. You don't even have to go to the cabinet. Somebody just heals you. Like, yeah, just poof. Well, I'm curious how much Unless damage... Unless it's Gilderoy Lockhart. <laughs> then yes. do not let them yes. touch you. I mean, okay. Harry complained about Gilderoy Lockhart. I'm pretty sure I'd rather have no bones in my arm and have no pain and know that it can be fixed. I have to yeah. say, I give Harry some kudos. He's literally in so much pain that he passes out. Yeah. It's pretty cool. But now, again, my question is, what type of injuries are beyond the capabilities of... What's the nurse called? Madame Pomfrey. Madame Pomfrey, like... I mean, death. But if I was... Petrifying. Other than, like, having the mandrake drought. Right, that's true. They need to to wait for, um... What's her name? (laughs) Professor Sprout. Yep. To make a a potion, a balm, salve. Yeah. Yeah, so other than that. But if I was Harry and any of the other students, like... Now I know that I can just shatter my bones. I'd be breaking my leg every day. (laughs) Yeah, where would you... But where would you stop, right? Because... Yeah, like, I mean, with Quidditch, too, like, yeah, it's a pretty high-contact sport. They're in the air. So that makes it even more difficult or, like, dangerous. I bet you Madame Pomfrey gets paid. Well, she must have a good salary. Think about that, Jack. I would hope so. Because if she has to deal with children who, like, are just flopping left and right... Yeah. Breaking their bones. But literally, literally shattered his arm and she regrew it overnight. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Kudos to Madame Pomfrey. But uh, going to, so yeah, because Lockhart does this whole spell and Harry's hand like is disgusting. She describes it as being like a balloon or like a glove. I think it was a glove. A glove, yeah. Uh, but it like blew up like a balloon. Like being like all... Th- nope. The Did thing, it? The, well, like because his fingers got like everything moved down. It was just gross. Yeah, imagining so, no bones. Ugh. What would happen? Well, yeah, because a lot of the space in your arms and in your hands is filled with bones. So what would it be like? Nope. I'm looking mm-hmm. at my hand right now, like imagining rolling it up like a fruit roll up. Yeah, and because it's so disgusting, Colin is trying to get a picture, and Harry's like, "Please, for the love of God, stop!" <laughs> and then when Harry is actually in the infirmary, right? They're trying to get his shirt on or sweatshirt on or something. Ron's trying to help him, like get his shove his rubbery fingers through the Ugh, sleeves. Ron, like again, Ron is just showing up here because he has to like get his friend, who he's only known for a little over a year, a year and a half. Just unpleasant. He's, he's like getting his friend dressed. Like that's a pretty vulnerable situation to be in. I like how, how J.K. Rowling just kind of glosses over that fact. And then yeah, he has to like help his friend stick their like boneless arm into sleeves and stuff. Yeah, this is I think the fourth instance of just what's the word? What whatever the is it adjective? Is it what what's word? grotesque description yes because we've had this book is so gross <laughs> yeah well, what was going on in jk's life that uh maybe she like that this is when she started having kids maybe because kids are gross <laughs> that's like... true that could definitely be <laughs> maybe she's just like i just need to, to somehow mentally process all that's happening you know that's that's a really good theory yeah because we had the weird lumpy potato face garden gnomes mm-hmm. we had the wretched mandrake babies yep. we had the, the vomiting slugs oh i forgot about the vomiting slugs yep. i was thinking of the death day party and the maggoty haggis yep i think about the word combination maggoty haggis at least <laughs> once a day now <laughs> it's good i feel like every episode there's something gross that we have to talk about yeah so i mean here we are but um yes yeah, so the gryffindor team is visiting harry and everything and relaying that flint was like ticked at Malfoy for missing the snitch because it was literally over his ear and like because he was antagonizing Harry he didn't feel or hear the snitch like yeah. buzzing around his head so this was when Gryffindor came into the infirmary yeah what happened for did Dobby come before that or after after so it's literally like a blip where it's just like they have a little like they try to have a party oh and then and then Madame Pomfrey's like kicks no. them all out right <laughs> yeah so but Dobby's back were you excited yeah. to see Dobby again? I was. I was because he showed up briefly within the first couple chapters and then he just disappeared. And we, I mean, we, I guess we kind of know more about what Dobby was talking about. 
A little bit, yeah. We well, we know too that Dobby's the reason why Harry couldn't get to Hogwarts, like we said before. He's the reason, and then we realize that he's also the reason why the Bludger was after him too. So, you know, he's yes, trying to save Harry. But Ron quotes it perfectly. I think at the end of um the next chapter, possibly where it's like Ron's like, if he keeps trying to save you, he's going to kill you. <laughs> Because, I mean, it's true, like, he, for whatever reason, the ways that he's trying to, like, keep Harry out of Hogwarts... They're extreme. ...is just, yeah. Well, but how else would you do it? How else would you keep Harry away from Hogwarts I without... I don't know. ...trying to put him in some... You need to put him in enough harm to prevent him from going to school, but not enough harm to mortally wound him. Right, or just, like, I mean, is there some sort of situation where he could... I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It seems like house elves are pretty magical. Yeah. I drew a little sketch of a hat. Of, of, of my, a dobby. My little... Yeah, it's... It looks like a weird dog. Not like as, a dog cat. Not as cute as the one in the movie, mm. but... He's not very cute either. In the kinda, movie. Kind of cute in the movie. <laughs> and we... So we learn a little bit about house elves, though, which is kind of a good introduction to them, because we do learn more about house elves as we go throughout the books. Um, and we learn that they can only be freed by being presented with clothing. I remember what, reading that and being like, oh, that's an interesting thing to think about because like he's wearing this gross like pillowcase basically yeah yeah even on like going back to the gross thing the description of dobby is pretty gross yeah this like snivelly old pillowcase that he like uses as a smock sort of thing yeah yeah because they said that even if presented with uh, is so much as a sock yeah then that counts right from his master which like i mean so like thinking about dobby's situation because clearly he lives with a bad family we don't yet, from the books, know who the family is. And so he knows about the Chamber of Secrets, but he's, like, bound by this family that he lives with to, like, not divulge too many secrets, essentially. But he wants to try and do something good to let Harry know. For whatever reason. Well, right. my question is, why are uh, um, house elves kind of... How do they get in a situation where they essentially have to be somebody's servant or yeah i don't in the know the first place i don't remember if we learned that at all how that kind of came to be so if anyone has um, any idea and wants to send us an owl of how this kind of hierarchy with house elves came to be uh i'm assuming it's probably some power hungry wizard like just started doing it and a bunch of other people followed suit i have no idea but yeah because I, I mean i don't want to like jump to the movies but if i recall it's not just bad people that have house elves like kind yeah. of like a yeah like a, more I think of a mrs. rich person yeah i think mrs weasley says something about like oh it'd be nice to have a house elf you know what i mean <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> unless to like help her like help her do stuff i mean well, i think that she would be humane you know and kind to her house but, elf but again it sounds like they're almost enslaved yeah oh no like i'm, I'm not necessarily saying it's right but i think well, maybe, maybe what I was thinking, though, is maybe there's certain situations where it's like that, but maybe there are situations where the house elves are perfectly happy doing yeah. what they do, or maybe they're compensated. I don't know. Right, right. Especially, like, yeah, again, if they're in a, a nice home and they can be treated kindly and everything. If that's, like, what they're, you know, maybe, like, I don't know if it's genetically or even just magically what they're programmed to do. If that kind of helps the situation. I don't, now, again, I don't remember if we learn this later mm. on or not, but... We'll have to keep learning. Yeah. But at this point, so, yeah, Dobby kind of lets us know that, or lets Harry know that he knows about the Chamber of Secrets. He's, like, smacking himself with the water jug or whatever. He ironed his hands. He ironed his hands. And they hear a noise, so he disappears. And in the hallway is Dumbledore and Professor McGonagall carrying what looks like a statue. And it's Will, Colin, Creevy... Yeah, this I wonder if Harry's kind of like, stoked. I don't think... No, because I think in the book he says he feels guilty. Guilty? What did he do? I think he feels... Well, because they say that it looked like he was... Colin was carrying, like, grapes. And he was trying to sneak oh, up to Harry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, So then Harry's like, oh, I'm a jerk. <laughs> Which, he was just going up to take a picture of his floppy arm. Right. The grapes were a, a decoy. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, so they see that he was trying to, he may have taken a picture of his attacker because he had the camera, which is really good for Colin, I guess, to try to take a camera of someone who's trying to attack him or something, you know, we don't know yet. And it 
the camera melts. Like, oh, how crazy melts. is that? Didn't they say to open the... I feel like the inside melted. Uh, again, I guess At least I... in the movie, it's like an explosion comes oh. out of his camera, but... And I just kind of took it as, like, whatever happened melted the film. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. Oh, so, right, this is the second student to get petrified, or first student? First student. The next chapter we have. Right. Right? Do you think... Yeah, because they... first it was Mrs. Norris. Do you think... They report to the parents all these, like, near-death experiences of all the children. Oh, my God. Well, that's, yeah, that's the thing. So, like, okay, Colin is in the hospital wing. I mean, we do we know if his parent... I mean, we only know that he has a father. Does his father come to, like, see him? Does... I mean, because at least with, like, Harry, he's been in the hospital wing now twice. And, obvi- I mean, obviously the Durses aren't going to come visit him, so he's not really a good example of, like, hey... <laughs> I don't remember any instance, just like, again, going back to my Rolodex of the movie, I don't recall any parents ever visiting Hogwarts. Yeah, I mean, there there is at least one that I can think of. Okay. So, I won't say who. Okay. But, right. but no, other than that, no, we really don't hear about any parents coming. It's like, they're literally just free-range children, <laughs> like, at this yeah. school with, like, minimal adults. <laughs> but, you know, like, <laughs> uh, like... Un unnumerable, innumerable numbers of dangers. These children, yeah, and, and, I and guess they all have magic wands. A magic wands, magical animals, or yeah, uh, what's called the forbidden forest. Right. But then again, I guess if a lot of these parents went to Hogwarts, it's not like they're surprised. They they know what's going on. And again, when you've got a lady like Madame Pomfrey taking care of these kids, right. Well, and and I mean, depending on what kind of family the children are born into. They may have come from a magical family, so their parents probably went to Hogwarts as well and are like, yeah, old hat, like, been there, done that. Yeah, I don't know. Not surprised. Madame Pomfrey can fix you. But, yeah, just the parents visiting. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. I do like how ending the chapter, Dumbledore says, you know, confirms that the chamber has been opened and he, what was it? Well, let me just check and see what it was. The question is not who, said Dumbledore, his eyes on Colin. The question is how. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting. An interesting thought because, I mean, yeah, I think my first question would be who is behind all of this. But really, if, I mean, the, the question of how is also very important because we know that the Chamber of Secrets is supposed to be this super secretive you know, like, almost, like, pretty much mythical chamber. You know what I mean? Like, Salazar Slytherin supposedly made it, but no one can really confirm. The castle's been checked. No one can find it. So, like, the thought of, yeah, how did somebody open the Chamber of Secrets is pretty is pretty crazy. So it's like... <laughs> well, it must mean, then, reading between the lines, and I didn't think about this reading until you brought it up, then Dumbledore must know who the heir to Slytherin is. Right? Uh, potentially, potentially. Well, isn't that who's able to open the chamber? Is only the heir to Slytherin? Yes, yes. So that's what but I'm I saying. Think, but I think maybe even his question is how, because the school has been checked for this chamber. Oh. You know what I mean? Like. See, I'm thinking of it is there's something that Dumbledore... Not only does Dumbledore know who the heir to Slytherin is, but he knows something about... who, like. Maybe this heir to Slytherin isn't alive. So there's something that's making it impossible for the heir to Slytherin to even be able to do anything. Right. But I don't know. Like, I kind of have some foggy... Yeah. (laughs) I really don't remember who opens. I I remember some things, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but Mm. as we read, I'll kind of... I want to kind of digest what... Dumbledore means when he says that. Yeah. Okay, I think part of the big part of it is just because it's this mythical place that, you know, again, most people don't even really believe that it's an actual, that it's actually possible for it to be But if anybody you know, did know that it actually existed, it would be Dumbledore. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, probably. So, have to keep reading to figure that out. I know. She does do, like, you know, she does do a good job of weaving a story that is both complicated and like interesting i think for a kid like again as a kid i gobbled these books up because they are so gripping and you just like want to know what it is and i feel like the ending is always clever 
I know, and I wish... What's the third book? The Prisoner of Azkaban, which I went to my local bookstore yesterday to pick up a book for my girlfriends from college and I are doing a book club. And I, you already know this, obviously, but um, our listeners don't. So <laughs> I was quick, like very briefly just looking around the bookstore and saw a Prisoner of Azkaban shirt and bought it. So thank you to the bookery in Manchester <laughs> for <laughs> being awesome. So... Okay, The Prisoner of Azkaban is the third one. What's the fourth book? The Goblet of Fire. The fifth one is The Order of the Phoenix. The sixth one is The Half-Blood Prince. And the seventh one is The Deathly Hallows. So you know what? Like, I feel like I remember The Prisoner of Azkaban, but four through seven, mm-hmm. I'm having a really hard time remembering Which is much. good. I know, I'm excited. <laughs> it's it's always frustrating. Like, I always have kind of the movie playing in my head. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a, it is a little bit of a spoiler and it's hard to think. Mm-hmm. It would always be nice to go back and undo the seeing, but can't do that, so. Yeah. But that's pretty much where the chapter ends, right? Mm-hmm. We have confirmation that the Chamber of Secrets has been opened. Right. Right? But we just don't know who. Correct. Or what's in there. The what's beast. in there? We also see the spiders again. No? Next, next chapter. Next, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> getting, getting the lines blurred. Yes. But, uh, okay. So, we're getting close to the hour mark. We're probably gonna do one chapter for this episode. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot to digest here, and there's yeah. a lot to digest in chapter 11. So, again, we try and make these nice, about one hour bite-sized pieces. Mm-hmm. If you've got a commute, if you listen on your lunch break. Right. Um, or listen with your kids. Listen with your kids. or We try to keep it appropriate for children. Yeah. Yeah. But, so what um, were your thoughts on this chapter? Uh, they made they. By they, I mean J.K. Rowling. <laughs> or, yeah, what's, her, what's her first name? Joe. Joanne? Joe? Jo- Joe. Hold on. I don't think it's going to say in there. Say Why not? Because she purposely, she didn't, she had to be J.K. Rowling so that boys would actually pick up the book. Because she felt that if she had her first name on there, that boys might not be as interested in reading the books. Fun fact. They were. That's kind of strange that you can write books anonymously. Well, she's not anonymous. It's just no well, one knows if she's... It's anonymous you know, to what the her What her gender identification is. However she identifies. Well, it's not how she identifies. I'm just curious what her name is. Yeah. Do you have your phone on you? Can we just look it up? I want to start calling her by her first name. Because I always get Jarrow's Hulkin, J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Joanne Rowling. Joanne? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Joanne. What a first name <laughs> basis now. She made the Quidditch match pretty interesting. And I don't think it was just because there was a flying budger. She drew Blood it out. Budger. That's a bludger. <laughs> it sounded like you said budger. You can check me. You can check but I just think she did a much better job, and maybe she did get criticism after her first book about, like, there's a lot more you can do with this Quidditch thing, yeah. and the first time you tried it, it wasn't very good, so. I wonder what the first, the, the unedited version of that first Quidditch match in the first, first book, but this was pretty good. It was entertaining. Yeah. She even added, she said it was, like, kind of a humid day, and it started raining, and again, the whole thing with Harry's arm shattered. Like, I totally <laughs> imagine, like, just splintered bone. I think her imagery gets a little bit better in the second book. But I, yeah. I'm yeah, i still wondering, again, the first book, what I really liked about it was it focused a lot on how people felt. And the second book, I feel like it's more just describing things happening. Mm-hmm. And Like, I, I don't really know right now. I guess there are a couple things in the next chapter that show a little bit more of Harry's emotion and thought process. Yeah. But it's still, like, a lot of just things happening and sometimes I feel like it lacks a little bit of substance. Mm-hmm. So maybe it'll pr- improve. I don't know. But well, I mean, yeah, with each book. So her original plan was that each book was going to be longer than the the previous book. And we get that up until like the fifth book. And the fifth book is, no offense, Joanne Rowling, the fifth book can be a drag. <laughs> like, uh, what do you mean when you say that? It's just, she she was like, I've got to make this book. Oh, however many pages too long much fluff there was a lot of fluff and just like a lot of emotion Which and a one lot is the fifth of one? the order of the phoenix okay 
for a lot of people, five is their least favorite book. It is my mm-hmm. least favorite book. Well, don't, 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 don't. Uh... Oh, just, no, pers- personally, you might like it because there are some, some people who love the fifth book. So, we'll see. you know, don't knock it till you try it. But for me personally, it was just, but there are definitely chapters where it's like, what happened? <laughs> why, yeah. why did this happen? So that's one thing I'm noticing. But again, the Quidditch match was pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, the rubber arm thing was nice and gross. It's so gross. And I'm looking at that. It's nice to finally see Dobby again. Get a little more of that. Yeah. And again, I'm I'm totally getting a kick out of Gildrey. Oh, he's funny. I, again, I I said earlier that I <laughs> love Gildroy Lockhart because of Ron's commentary about Gildroy Lockhart. Well, imagine Ron loves Gildroy. <laughs> imagine a real life Gildroy though, like being in school and having a teacher, and that like how laughable would it be? It would be really hard to keep a straight face. I feel like I would just, I don't know how I would, like, I don't know how I would act with someone like that. I think I could do it now because I've gotten a little braver with certain things in life, but how much fun would it be if, like, you came to class, like, dressed like him, like you started wearing oh my outfits with flair, you got your hair, like, all primped and everything, and we're and just totally sucked up to him. Because he probably wouldn't even notice. He would just be flattered and he'd have no yeah. idea that it was a big joke. Right. So yeah, that's what I thought about chapter 10. Some good stuff there. We got Dobby, but yeah. the little punk just disappears again. What a punk! I don't I don't like how um, destructive he is of himself, though. I know. I know. I'm still... I think you're right. I think, I think Joanne was going through a lot here. <laughs> yeah. Something. Yeah. Something was coming out. <laughs> something, yeah. Something was coming. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll see what the next horror is. Oh, God. In this book. What about you? Anything reading it fourth time or fifth time every time you've read it? I just, I do, I, I think just realizing Ron's genius with his, like, quick Humor. snaps. Yes. Yeah. I think the, like, he'll sign anything that stands still long enough is just. Yeah, he's pretty on point. Phenomenal pretty on point when it comes to that yeah so i think just appreciating that about ron because like i think uh rupert grint who plays ron in the movies did a really good job with the character but i do and like i think that he is funny in movies but i think some of like he is intelligent like he does i mean obviously he's got his moments where he's a little bit of a dodo but like he does have his moments where he is really smart, and I feel like sometimes that doesn't come across necessarily in the movies. I agree with you. I think he's kind of used as like the goofy sidekick, but he's he is yeah. such so much more complex than that. So in the books, I just I love how rich he is as a character. He is such a good friend. Um, so I think I'm just like fangirling over Ron. I know you're definitely <laughs> gushing over him big yeah. time, which is so funny because like as a kid, like when I was when these books came out and I was younger, like. I was like, Harry, Harry's the best. Like, oh my gosh, Harry. And now I'm like, Ron is the dude. (laughs) Harry's a weenie. I would not want to be friends with Harry. So, I mean, I I think I would, but I I would probably get really annoyed with Harry. I don't know. I have a high tolerance for people. With certain people, there are certain people that I do not have a high tolerance for, but (laughs) that's okay. But Ron, I have all the tolerance for. (laughs) Ron, I want in my life. (laughs) I'm trying to think if there's like a... A real world equivalent to Harry, like in, like a friend of yours, or no, no, not a friend, but just like you know, in school, like even high school, there's like that was it in high school was it called valedictorian or whatever, like mm. top of the class, mm-hmm. like just roll your eyes at the whole, it's a big competition, and maybe Harry would be like those kids who are just good at everything and they didn't have to try have you ever liked the kids who are good at everything and didn't have to try well so i think i've maybe uh i don't know so in high school there was a kid that i was friends with and he was the salutatorian he basically he there was a girl who really wanted to be valedictorian and he would actually like not do as well on certain tests because he knew how much she wanted it and he didn't want to like take it from her but he was like a really good student very very good student and he didn't really have to try like i feel like he was always talking about all these tv shows he watched instead of doing homework and then he was a really good tennis player i feel like there were other things like he he was i think he was in the band and he did really well with that like there things came easily to him 
But he was really nice. Like, he wasn't, like... But he was nice. Harry's not nice. Yeah. That's the only difference. That's what I'm trying to... Harry's just kind of moody. Well, but I mean, but think about it, though. Like, he's been with the Dursleys for the first 11 years of his life, and they are miserable people. Oh, no, no, I know. I'm just just trying to imagine, like, a real-life Harry and what... Like you said, we were just talking about, would you want to hang out with that person? That was kind of, Mm. I think, what started the conversation. And I just... I don't think I would. Except for the fact that he's strange. He's not just good at everything. Like, just weird. Weird stuff follows Harry. Yeah. That might be the only reason why I'd want to be a part of it, is just to be a part of the action. I do like that he, like, with this whole Chamber of Secrets thing and, you know, last book with finding out what the Sorcerer's Stone was, like, he definitely wants to... He's very curious, which I appreciate. Like, I, I appreciate that he wants to learn. He's eager to understand things. Uh, I appreciate that he also, he does things for the benefit of other people. He may not, not always be nice, but I think he, he does have a good core and he has a good heart and his intentions are usually in the right place. I guess I'll have to keep reading because I'm not sure if I'm sold on that. Yet. Yeah. All right. Well, so yeah. you're only like in the middle of book two. I know. There are seven books. And they get longer and they and longer. get longer and longer and yeah. longer. But so. it was good. Good. All right. Um, do you want a birdie bot or no? My birdie bot today with those ranch dip pretzel twists. Now, ranch was was that was it? The, no was, was like, that the flavor of your day or are you just missing pretzels? No, there's the difference. No, because that was phenomenal. They, those were really good. I know, and it was a really good day. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, gotcha. That's it was a good going. day. Okay. So yeah, it was one of those. So we had family over. Seasoned, seasoned pretzel stick flavor. Yeah. That would be a tough guess. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine, but they were really good. It was ranch and dill, but they tasted like movie theater popcorn. It was a very confusing experience, but I loved it. They're made in Portsmouth. Hmm. Cool. Portsmouth, New Hampshire. If you haven't been, it's a really cute city. Yeah. Used to work there. Highly recommend. Ten out of ten. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I could think of a, a birdie bots to describe the the day. I think the flavor of today would be it's gonna sound weird, but gasoline. Because uh. <laughs> I feel it well A I get it though. A I kinda like the smell of gasoline. I think I'm not the only one who likes no, the smell I like of gasoline. Smell a little bit, like not all the time, but sometimes. Yeah. But not only that, but uh, today was a good day. We had family over. My brother brought over mini bikes. I still smell a little bit like gas or like exhaust, I guess. Yeah. And typically I know that if I smell like exhaust, I either had a fun day or I had a productive day because I was either snow blowing. Oh no, snow blowing. Never mind. That's not fun, but it, I guess it was productive. It's Mowing productive. the lawn, which I enjoy. Mini bikes, some sort of a piece of equipment. Motor. Yeah, so like gasoline and like some exhaust and some oil is the flavor of mine, which would mm. be awful to eat. But that would be the flavor. <laughs> can you imagine? Just like, oh god, if, it's, it's like a birdie bot that you can sniff. It's like man, a scratch and sniff birdie bot. If Jelly Belly could make a gasoline flavored, well, there we go. Howdy doody. So next time we will cover chapter eleven. Most likely, just chapter eleven too. Yeah, it's a long. Hey. Well, I have a lot of notes on that one. So okay, and and maybe uh, again feedback for our listeners. What do you think about the hour long segment? I feel like we've asked this before. Nobody's provided feedback, but like, it's too long. It's too short. I feel like I've heard from people that's a good length. Yeah. Okay. Good. I, I feel but, like it's a good. Yeah. I know that when I put on a podcast, I'm like I'm looking for something. I'm expecting to say about an hour. Yeah. I might not always listen to it for an hour. Like right. It might be divided, but, but it's just, I feel like I... Yeah, usually... It's easy to do the math. And... Yeah. I feel like I either like podcasts that are like 20 minutes or an hour. I but think... I listen to like My Favorite Murder. Like one of their episodes was like two hours long. Mm, sounds nice to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the worst though, I think, is, is having to keep changing. Like go to the next one because it was 20 minutes. Yeah, those are good for like a quick car ride kind of thing or like if you want to just like crank through 
a podcast. I don't know, but yeah. I do. I do sometimes appreciate a twenty minute one because it is nice to just have something kind of bite sized. Like if I'm making breakfast and Lydia's like watching Frozen for the seven hundredth time, mm-hmm. I can. I like sometimes we'll put on a podcast so that I can just all right drown out, well, let it go. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll get some feedback. Yeah. Do you like an hour? Do you like more? Do you want to st- please don't say you went for like two hours because it's a lot of editing. Oh, please don't. <laughs> So. Well, thanks again for listening, everybody. Yes, thank what you. What is it? Like, subscribe, repeat, All refry. Rate, review, subscribe. Rate, review, subscribe. Send an owl via email, via Instagram. Snapfish. Snapfish. Send us a photo there. No. Instagram, Facebook, at Married Muggles. You won't find us on Twitter. Nope. Twitter is not my friend. I don't like it. I don't understand you it. I don't know why. And I don't bother. <laughs> yeah so we're on instagram if you you can comment on one of our photos you can send us a message i've been trying to try and get owls up on our stories and i keep forgetting so but we try and make sure to do some mentions on here so yeah make sure you're listening yeah definitely well thanks again everybody have a oh i did want to shout out one quick thing um my friend becky gave us the hookup with a Harry Potter Trivial Pursuit Sorcerer's Stone Edition. Oh, right. So we do want to do a bonus episode with oh, that. I, didn't, I did not know that it was Sorcerer's Stone Edition. It is only the Sorcerer's Stone. So uh, okay. we are very excited to do a bonus episode at some point with that because that would be really funny. But yeah, so thank you, Becky, so much. We st- Again, we still haven't done it, but I promise we will. We will. I got to do it for you, girl. <laughs> so- <laughs> well, All with right. that... Yeah, hope you enjoyed this episode of Married Muggles, Mm -hmm. and keep your broomsticks running. Stay magical. Bye-bye.